You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Good morning, and thanks for joining me for Rise in Crime, your morning caffeine hit all about crime. I'm Mama Jules, and let's begin today with the death of a convicted serial killer in Texas. Billy Kipcorer Chamirmir grew up in Kenya, but he moved to the U.S. in the early 2000s when his eldest sister was able to secure Billy a visa. He came to the U.S. with two of his other siblings, and Billy comes from a prominent and tight-knit family in Kenya, where his father was the village chief of the Eldama Ravine. Well, upon his arrival in the U.S., Billy told the Dallas Morning News that he sold cars and he also worked as a senior caregiver. So that one's the big deal here. Family of Billy owns care facilities, and Billy is familiar with them even though those care facilities are not located in Dallas where Billy lives. All right, after a little more than a year in the U.S., Billy married a woman, but the marriage only lasted two years. See, his wife filed for divorce when Billy basically ghosted her. She couldn't locate him, and family wouldn't help her either. So for the next few years, Billy, after the divorce, goes on about his business. He keeps to himself. And neighbors said he was quiet and not really a bother to others in the community. But in 2010 and 2011, Billy was charged with two separate incidents of driving while intoxicated. And then in 2012, he was arrested for getting into a physical altercation with his new girlfriend. See, Billy had returned home after being at a strip club. And his girlfriend was upset. And eventually the argument escalated to Billy punching her in the face. He then grabbed a pot and he beat her on the head with it. When she got away and called 911, he grabbed a knife and he proceeded to slice up the red leather sofa. 
Well, he served 70 days in jail for that crime as part of a plea deal. And these charges, the two DUIs and the assault crime against his girlfriend, that's not enough to have Billy deported back to Kenya. All right, despite those charges, and also despite the quiet demeanor that like his neighbors assigned to him, Billy moves on after a few years to become a notorious serial killer in the Dallas area. But let's switch gears so you can understand how Billy was caught. So let's put Billy over here and let's talk about the women that he attacked. In the tradition Prestwood Premier Senior Living Community, aging seniors can find a luxurious way to spend their last years here on earth. The community boasts a range of services that include assisted living and memory care. The community also has an indoor pool and spa, and residents have weekly housekeeping, an arts and crafts studio, a movie theater, a library, and a gathering area where guests and special speakers can perform. And the daily activities are vast. They have tai chi and sewing groups and bingo nights, pretty much everything you could ask for in a senior living area. Well, on October 28th of 2016, Doris Gleason was going about her weekly activities at Tradition Prestwood. Her daughter had picked her up that Friday for their weekly date. Doris would get her hair trimmed and set, and then the two would go to the local grocery store to get Doris her items for the week, and then they would end the day with a visit to her bank to withdraw cash for her needs until next Friday, when the two would meet up again to spend the afternoon together. Well, just two days after this October meetup, Doris's son-in-law and daughter entered Doris's room to pick her up for church. They found Doris dead on the floor. Her hair was mussed, and things just felt off for Shannon, Doris's daughter, and she sank into the sofa with the sad realization that her 92-year-old mother was gone. Well, the funeral home was called, and as they prepared Doris to be taken away, her daughter Shannon approached the gurney to say her goodbyes. But it was then that she realized her mother's guardian angel necklace was missing. See, Shannon, she wore the same exact necklace every day. But there was no necklace around her mother's neck, despite Shannon saying her mother never took it off. And the funeral home employees confirmed that the necklace was never on her body. After searching through Doris's purse and apartment, Shannon found more items missing, The cash they had just retrieved from the bank two days earlier was gone, and rings and other jewelry were missing as well. Well, Shannon's husband, Eric, called the police immediately, and that's when the dominoes began to fall for Shannon. She knew that she needed to investigate her mother's death. Despite the police requesting an autopsy, the cause of death was still determined as old age. But that wasn't enough for Shannon. She requested the last two years of police reports that had been filed with any connection to the tradition Prestwood senior living community. She looked into thefts, falls, unaccompanied deaths, and even suspicious attacks. Shannon found that in 2016, Joyce Abramowitz had died in her apartment and her safe was missing. Later that same month in 2016, Juanita Purdy was found dead and her jewelry compartment had been raided. And then, just a few months after that, Leah Corkin was found dead at Tradition Prestwood, and her wedding ring had been stolen. And then another resident of the senior living community, her name was Norma French, she had been found dead, and $6,000 worth of jewelry was reported missing. Finally, in November, this was just a few days after Doris's death, 
a suspicious person was reported to be lurking around Tradition Prestwich. The report said that the man was often seen around the community. He would say that he was a repairman there to be fixing leaking pipes. And Shannon was sure she was onto something when she read that final report about the suspicious man. She gathered all of that information and she sent it to the police and to the Dallas Morning News. And then she left a one-star review on the Tradition Prestwich Yelp page detailing the failures in security. But after that, she went on with life, unsettled, not sure of how to grieve knowing that her mother did not die from natural causes. That was until a police detective showed up at her house one year later. The detective said he had seen her Yelp review and he wanted to talk to her about her mother's death. The detective encouraged her to look into a man named Billy Shamirmir. Police knew about Billy because he had recently been linked to a case that involved a robbery and attempted strangulation of a woman at the Preston Place retirement community. Okay, so here's how all of that went down. This 93-year-old woman had opened her door at the Preston Place retirement community to find a man claiming to be a maintenance worker. He stepped into her room, threw her from her walker, and placed a pillow over her face in an attempt to suffocate the woman. The man left her alive, but unconscious. When she awoke, he had stolen all of her jewelry. Police started looking for patterns and found another similar crime at the Parkview Elderly Assisted Living Center. And then during all of this, another woman was found dead on her Dallas condo floor. She had just returned from a shopping trip, and her bags of groceries were still on her kitchen countertop. As in all the other stories, her death was ruled natural causes, but her family was baffled because her favorite coral necklace was missing, and so were her diamond rings. Her family was also skeptical of the cause of death because Mary walked to church every week and she'd walk to appointments that were close to her condo, like when she would go and visit her dentist. Okay, if you're keeping track, we now have similar crimes at three different living centers and at individual residences and multiple dead women with missing jewelry and police are starting to tie it all together with descriptions of the fake maintenance man and his silver Altima car. Eventually, police tie the stories and the car to Billy, who has been charged with trespassing at another senior living facility two years earlier. They were pretty sure they had their guy. So they set up surveillance at Billy's apartment in North Dallas. And within one day, they saw Billy toss something into a nearby dumpster. Officers approached Billy and arrested him on outstanding warrants. After reading him his rights and cuffing him, police removed from Billy's hands jewelry, and wadded up cash. When they searched the dumpster for what Billy had thrown away, they found a jewelry box engraved with the name Lou Ty Harris. Now, a quick search of the name in police databases led them to Lou's home, where they found her dead. A nearby pillow had her smeared lipstick on the case. Police charged Billy with capital murder for that death, and they began digging, knowing they had a serial killer on their hands. At a police press conference, detectives announced they had a very large and complex investigation that involved the four cities of Plano, Frisco, Dallas, and Richardson. Now, during the press conference, they said the information they had found was terribly disturbing and that they were going to make every attempt to identify all the victims in the communities. As Billy remained in jail, police eventually linked a possible 22 victims to his multi-year rampage. Finally, last year, 
Billy was convicted of two killings, Lou Ty Harris and Mary Brooks. Now, all of this happened following a mistrial in 2021 that ended with a deadlock jury of 11 to 1, as well as multiple delays from COVID. And unfortunately, all other charges were dropped against Billy. Authorities were able to secure the murder conviction for Lou Ty Harris by using the evidence of the stolen property and also Billy's location near the murder scene. And with Mary, investigators used surveillance footage from the Walmart showing Billy's Ultima following Mary's car out of the Walmart parking lot. Now, with the two separate convictions of murder and sentences of life without parole in both, Dallas County District Attorney John Krizat said that Billy would die in prison. And I'm sure the DA figured it would be old age that took Billy. But that's not how the cards were dealt for the serial killer. Last week, Billy, who is now 50 years old, was found dead in his Cofield prison cell. He shared that cell with another convicted killer. WFAA is reporting that he was beaten and stabbed to death because he had insulted his cellmate and his cellmate's family. Now, Shannon, that's Doris's daughter, she's remained active in trying to change protection for seniors, and she immediately spoke to reporters saying that her mother, Doris, died in fear. She said she felt some relief that Billy did not die peacefully either. The Texas prison system has yet to release any more details about the death of Billy. All right, this isn't over for the families of Billy's victims. They've started an organization called Secure Our Seniors Safety, or SOSS, S-O-S-S. They are working with representatives and senators from Texas to lobby for stronger laws protecting seniors, and those laws should include stricter security protocols at senior living facilities. And several of the surviving children, well, they stay in contact with each other, sharing messages of hope and strength as they all continue to grieve their loved ones. And I feel like the least we can do is remember the names of those who were harmed by Billy. 91-year-old Phyllis Payne, 94-year-old Phoebe Perry, 82-year-old Joyce Abramowitz, 82-year-old Juanita Purdy, 83-year-old Leah Corkin, 86-year-old Margaret White. 89-year-old Solomon Spring. Okay, he's the only man on this list. 85-year-old Norma French. 87-year-old Glenna Day. 92-year-old Doris Gleason. 84-year-old Minnie Campbell. 90-year-old Doris Wasserman. 81-year-old Carolyn McPhee. 75-year-old Rosemary Curtis. 88-year-old Mary Brooks. 80-year-old Martha Williams. 81-year-old Miriam Nelson. 82-year-old Anne Conkin. 81-year-old Lou Ty Harris, 79-year-old Diana De La Hunty, and 93-year-old Mammy Dalmia. All right, let's head to Pennsylvania, where a mother and daughter were killed last week, and now someone has been arrested in the double homicide. 39-year-old Rose Glass is the mother to 16-year-old Rihanna Glass. Rose was born in the Philippines, but she immigrated to America, where she met Terry Glass Jr., and they had one child together, Rihanna. And Rihanna was active in dance, and she belonged to the 3D Dance Academy. She lived with her mother in North Catasqua, Pennsylvania. Okay, that's a smaller borough of the larger Lehigh Valley area, and it rests just west of the New Jersey-Pennsylvania border. She was also a junior at Northampton Area High School. Well, Rihanna had been in a high school relationship with 17-year-old John Bradley. So sometime in August, the two broke it off when Rihanna accused John of cheating on her. 
The two were still in contact, but their relationship was over, according to her friends. Then on September 8th, Rihanna was involved in an altercation when someone with the initials JB physically attacked Rihanna and threatened her with a knife. This is all according to the morning call. Okay, all right, JB. That could be John Bradley, because that's the guy in our story's name. And authorities have yet to confirm this, but they did confirm that they are following up on tips that Rihanna and John had multiple physical altercations. All right, just five days later, after that attack, Rihanna texted her friend and told her that she had broke the news to John, that she was now seeing someone else. And it's unclear who the other guy in Rihanna's life was, but John did not take this information well. He asked if he could come talk to Rihanna at her house. At 9-11 that night, surveillance footage shows that someone matching John's description walks in front of the home, then towards the back of the home. Okay, this is pretty easy to do. There aren't any fences or trees surrounding the two-story home, and it appears that Rihanna and Rose, they frequently use the rear entrance as well. Then at 12.42 in the morning, Rihanna texted her same friend and said that John would not leave her house. About an hour and a half later, a young 14-year-old girl is seen walking into the front entrance of the home. And here's where the timeline seems crucial. An hour later, the two visitors, John and the 14-year-old girl, leave through the back of the home and walk towards Arch Street. So they were in the home together with Rose and Rihanna for about an hour. All right, Arch Street is an area where Rose parks her Nissan Murano. And despite the parked Murano not being captured on camera, technology in the Murano shows John's phone connecting to the Bluetooth just four minutes after leaving Rose and Rihanna's home. Three minutes later, the Nissan Murano leaves the area. And then the next two hours, the Murano is unaccounted for until 5.53 a.m., when someone spots the Murano crashed about a half hour from Rihanna and Rose's home. Both John and the 14-year-old were ejected from the car. When first responders found John, his phone that had been connected to the Murano was found near him. He also had a Smith & Wesson HRT fixed blade double-edged knife near his body, and the knife appeared to be covered in blood. A t-shirt that was also covered with reddish-brown stains was discovered near John. Well, both John and his passioner, they were transported to separate hospitals. Now, with the discovery of the crashed car and two people who did not own that Nissan, police on the scene requested that North Catasqua police contact Rose at her home to inform her that her car had been involved in the one vehicle crash. When officers arrived at the home at about 730 that morning, no one answered. Then just three hours later, a friend of Rose tried to find her when she wasn't answering calls. When that friend entered the home, she found Rose at the top of the staircase, dead from lacerations to her face and body. And Rihanna was dead in her room with lacerations and bruising on her neck. Now, police acted quickly and they collected DNA evidence from John at the hospital, as well as evidence from the bodies during the two autopsies. As John's release from the hospital... He's charged with double homicide in the murders of Rose and Rihanna. Autopsy showed that the wounds on both Rihanna and Rose were from a double-edged knife that would match the description of the knife found near John at the scene of the car accident. And the arrest documents also say that the handle of the fixed blade knife had DNA of three individuals, John, Rihanna, and Rose. 
and more evidence started to pile up. Blood stains were found at Rose's home on the kitchen floor. Those stains contained John's DNA, according to court documents. All right, for me, the big mystery in this case is, who's the 14-year-old girl? Well, she's still hospitalized at the Philadelphia Children's Hospital, and currently she's unable to speak. And another mystery? How did the two wreck the car? So I'm sure we're going to get more information as the criminal process rolls forward. Now, Nicholas Glass, that's Rihanna's dad's brother or Rihanna's uncle. Well, he has created a GoFundMe to cover the funeral expenses for Rihanna and Rose. In the GoFundMe description, he wrote that the family is devastated and that they are just looking to cover the amounts of the two unexpected funerals. And Northampton County District Attorney Terry Houck said he can't emphasize enough how quickly and professionally that law enforcement did their jobs. He said the street that Rihanna and Rose lived on is small and close-knit and that the neighborhood helped in arresting John so quickly. All right, John was arraigned and is being held without bail. He's being charged as an adult despite being 17 years old. The death penalty is legal in Pennsylvania, but it cannot be applied in a case where the accused is younger than 18 years old. So I'm going to keep you updated on this case and I'll let you know when more information comes in. And are you following this bizarre case out of Illinois? Former NFL player Sergio Brown is still missing and his mother's homicide seems to be linked to Sergio. So here's what we know so far. Sergio and his mother Myrtle were declared missing. Sergio and Myrtle lived together in Maywood, Illinois. Now, Sergio played for multiple teams in the NFL, starting in 2011, and then he was last seen on the field in 2016 when he played for the Buffalo Bills. And when police began searching the property, they found Myrtle near a creek, dead from assault wounds. And Sergio, he was nowhere to be found. Since that time, suspicious posts have been made to Sergio's Instagram account, leading authorities to speculate that Sergio is now in Mexico. Forbes reported that one video shows Sergio walking down a palm tree-lined street despite the location tag reading Maywood, Illinois. Now in the video, Sergio raps the Drake song lyrics, oh my God, if I die, I'm a legend. I would totally rap that for you, but man, I want you guys to keep listening, so I'm not gonna do it. All right, in another video that has since been deleted, Sergio claims that either the FBI or Maywood police have broken into his home twice and that he believes his mother is on vacation. And the whole story gets even more confusing as a neighbor has now come forward with doorbell camera footage that shows Sergio burning his mother's clothes in a bonfire. And that fire happened the Thursday before the two were reported to be missing. Now, Sergio's brother, Nick, has begged the public in a series of social media posts to reach out to the Maywood Police Department if followers have any information. Neighbors describe the 73-year-old Myrtle as classy, outgoing, and friendly, saying she was very spry for a woman of her age. And Nick, her son, wrote in one of his social media posts thanking his mother for being strong, caring, diligent, fancy, and for saving his artwork. He promised he wouldn't let her down. Okay, at this time, police are asking people just to stay away from Myrtle's Maywood home, calling it an active crime scene. 
And if authorities had leads on where Sergio is, they aren't sharing that information. Right now, I can't think of the guy's name, but there's a man on TikTok who does these videos where you give him very little information about where you're at, and then he uses Google images and maps and searching to figure out the location. And he's right all of the time. Of course, I mean, he's going to post the videos he's right about, but there's so many that he's right about. I was thinking maybe the Maywood police should give him the Instagram videos and they can figure out what palm tree lined street that Sergio is hanging out on. I don't know, just a thought. But as always, I'll let you know more about Sergio's case when I know more. Well, that's your Monday episode of Rise and Crime. I always appreciate your case suggestions. In fact, our story from today out of Texas, that came from a Rise and Crime listener. And a big thank you for your five-star reviews. Those are always appreciated. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok, and please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join me again on Thursday for more morning crime news. I'm Mama Jules, and keep safe out there.